Hello and welcome to thegunblog.ca. My name is Nicholas Johnson. Today I'm speaking with Jen Gadbois. She's the Managing Director of the Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Association. She has also been in an ad for the NFA, Canada's National Firearms Association. For years, she has been promoting and celebrating uh, the shooting sports and responsible gun ownership in Canada. And she is one of the most upbeat gunnies on Twitter that I know of. Hi, Jen. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. And we're going to have an unstructured discussion here. I, I just, uh, a few weeks ago, I was down in the in the gun politics and policy dark hole. And I, you're tweeting on Twitter about how you just got back from the range and tweeting photos of yourself at uh, visiting Maple Seed. And I, I think it was an IPSC match or something. And I thought, I just got to get this person on. I just got to get to know them. And I'm really happy we just met at TACOM this past weekend. We're recording this on the 13th of September. Just just met you in person. Um, really Couple excited. A Couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and it's, tell me, um, you joined the CSAAA. Let's start with the prof professional stuff. You joined the CSAAA in December. How's it been since then? Yeah, it has been a huge learning curve, but I love it. Um, I get to see a whole other part of the gun world in Canada. Um, there's parts of the industry that I had challenges, I guess, within the industry that I had no idea existed, which I think it's very important for every gun owner to be aware of. Um, but yeah, it's been fantastic. I'm learning a lot and I get to actually do more to help the firearms community, which is super exciting. And what kind of challenges? That's kind of interesting. What? Uh... Yeah, so there's just a whole other set of challenges that um, the firearms industry and hunting industry face that normal consumers have no idea exist behind the scenes. Um, there's transfer wait times that, I mean, we're all aware of, but it impacts the businesses so much more because they have firearms that they're trying to move they have firearms you know building up in stock because we're waiting for transfers um, they have shipping issues that they have to combat constant regulations being thrown at them so yeah there's um a lot more behind the scenes than i was aware of incredible and i also want to acknowledge as a, as a consumer of the information that you share so i'm, I'm not a member of the cs AAA, but i do absolutely follow you what you publish very closely this the, the public stuff you share on twitter in your newsletter and i have as a person who cares about the firearm industry and the businesses i find it incredibly informative your some stores are transparent about the the, the quote-unquote let's call them challenges or the bs that they're faced with yes. thank you for the stuff that you share and your and, and your efforts as the cs AAA to share information about what's going on it's it's huge thank do you, you. What, what do you get good feedback um from the stuff you share publicly yeah absolutely um whenever i was at tacom actually i met a lot of people that you know we follow each other on twitter but we've just never met face to face and a lot of them said you know thank you for everything you share which i mean i don't want to be thanked or anything like that but it's nice that they see what I'm sharing and are more aware of what these businesses are dealing with because I know there's a lot of frustration there's people at the range they'll come up to me and be like oh I don't know what's going on I bought this you know rifle and they had to do the reference number and now I'm waiting and I'm calling the the store and I don't know what's taking so long and I'm like well it's not their fault like this is actually what's happening <laughs> so it's just easier I, and again, it's it's also important hearing you say that. I'm remembering that there are a lot of people who have been gun owners for years or decades who are not reading the Canada Gazette and who are not 
up to the latest in policies. There's people who don't know about Bill C-71 from 2018 and the May no. 18th, the new thing that you need explicit approval to get to buy, uh, uh, to, to, well, to take to, for a tr uh, non-restricted transfer. And yeah. you, CS, you, I'm assuming you run the CSAAA Twitter account. Is that? Yes, okay. that is so, correct. So you were updating on the outages, the almost sometimes daily outages of, yeah. of that. And you were the only one that I saw on Twitter doing that. And it's, it's, it's so we're, we're, there's a huge, there's a very low information about with some people. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that? Yeah. For sure. I mean, I don't think the industry, it's, it's not their priority to push out the information like, hey, our website's down. This is why your transfers are going to be taking so long because they're so busy. They don't have time to, you know, run the socials and make all of their consumers aware of what they're dealing with. Yeah. And there, there, are, there are some companies who on Instagram or Twitter do share updates about the, the market, the industry stuff that everybody's dealing with. So thank you all. Yeah. I, yeah. How did you end up at CSAAA? Well, um, I really got more involved in the firearms community whenever the May 1st gun ban came into play. In I mean, 2020. I, exactly. Didn't love social media, didn't really have anything to do with it, didn't have anything to do with politics, but then they banned, you know, a lot of firearms that I like and a lot of firearms that are used in the sports that my friends are participating in. So I was like, okay, I need to do something. I need to get more involved. Um, so I became more active on social media to at least try and reach more people that way and show them what the gun community is really about. Um, and then NFA reached out to me um, just to do a little bit of help. I volunteered with them as a field officer. I did the infomercial that they did that might have been seen on Wild TV. And then from there, um, I guess I just became a little bit more vocal in the firearms community and a few board members from CSAAA reached out to me and said, hey, we've got this position opened. Um, if you're interested, you know, let's talk about it. That's amazing. And so and so I didn't know when I saw that NFA ad, which I absolutely loved, I think I saw it in last, I want to say late summer or fall of 2021. Yeah. A, a great ad for me, it was transformative about the NFA. I didn't know I didn't know, I'd seen some of the stuff you'd done on Twitter, but I didn't know at the time that that was the same person. So what's it like to be famous now? <laughs> oh yeah, the Hollywood phones are ringing off the hook. No. It's, um, and so am I, if I, is it fair to say that the May 1st, 2020 confiscation order in council, that's what woke you up? Is Yeah, I think it must have woken up a lot of people because the firearms community seems to be a lot more vocal and active since then. Or maybe I'm just seeing it more. But I mean, I was very active in hunting and sports shooting, but I just never vocalized it. I never showed it on the internet. Um, I didn't follow the politics at all, which might have been a mistake. So yeah, ever since the May 1st ban, I got the notification on my phone. And right away, I'm like, okay, I need to do something. Well, Thank you for, for jumping in. I've I've also noticed it's, I don't like to say this, like it's an unfortunate aspect of humanity or at least the gun community, but bad news sells. Yeah. And I, when I write about the, the newest political, regulatory, ideological attack by the liberals, I get tons of page views, but a thing about like interviewing a, an Olympic shooter, ah, you know, two, two people click, like it's. Yeah, that's why, it. Why, do you find the same thing? Yes, if I make a post or send out a news article that has negative news about a new policy that's dropped or, you know, some sort of political drama that's happened in the firearms community, it's shared like crazy, liked like crazy. It just gets so much interaction. But then 
I share something like you saw the pictures of maple seed that I went to visit or just, you know, hey, we're having this fun range day. And, you know, a few people comment like, oh, that looks fun and a few likes and shares. But that's what as far as it goes. So I try and share a lot more positive, just sort of try and balance it out a little bit because, yeah, we only see the negative, it seems. And if we want the firearms community to grow and if we want people to actually see how positive it is, then I think we need to share a lot more of that out to the community. And that's that's definitely a theme I want to talk to you more about the the, the future and and I I again like I said I want to be perfectly transparent. Uh, looking at the, the 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 policies that we are faced with, it's very easy to get negative. And for some reason, the gunblog.ca I've gotten really focused on politics and policy lately. I'm not sure if I'll stay that way, but it's yeah. And I was looking for you for seeing your positive your your positivity had an impact on me. And I wanted that also to radiate and share the message. Thank so, you. so please know that you are having an uh, an impact. You're having an influence. You're you're an inspiration for at least you know plus one over here. <laughs> That's really nice it, to hear. It's and what kind of how about the feedback? At your you're a woman. You're a shooter. Does that you know some people are are, are very shy about or shy or at least uh, private about their shooting activities. You decided to go public. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean. Like I said, I guess I used to be very private about it. And even my home range years ago was extremely private. You know, maybe they didn't encourage sharing pictures or videos or anything like that from the range. Not like we were doing anything wrong, but we just know that there's a stigma and people don't understand the sport. Um, but that's kind of what got us into the position we're in now. Nobody knows about us. Nobody knows what we do. Um, we were just so quiet. So we're just such a small group of people that have it seems like we have virtually no voice. So I think more gun owners and hunters need to be more vocal and need to show people and normalize the sport. So I, again, so the, the, the kin, the kindred thinking that I saw on Twitter. Yeah, that's exactly my conclusion. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. We need to, we need to be more public. And it's, I, I had a blog post, uh, how quiet gun owners become former gun owners or something like that, which I think is one of the most, one of the best things I've ever written. And yeah. yeah, you know, it got, it got, it got two page views. Like it's, it's, I it's, know. it's the, we are our own worst enemy, I think by the way. Yeah. We've just been so quiet and yeah, kind of kept in the shadows. We thought we'd be, you know, out of sight, out of mind, they won't bother us, but clearly that didn't happen. So now we have to be loud. And I think that's, yeah. And there's loudness and there's people also who disagree with that because they, when you're loud, well, there's the, the, the classical fight between, I don't know, I'm going to, you know, like the, the tactical people and the hunting people and the sports people. And they're saying, no, that's the wrong message or the gun rights. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a pro civil liberties and respect uh, for citizens. That's my angle. Yeah. And each one, there's a really great video from Colion Noir, I'm going to say five or seven years ago, where he plays each one of the roles and talks about how we we all we all need each other but we are we are a divisive community in fact what yeah. i don't know if you'd agree with this but i believe that one of the great secrets of the shooting community is that there is no shooting community yeah i guess you're right i mean we say over and over again the firearms community or the shooting community but i mean i think we're becoming more and more union like we're having a lot better un unity if i can yeah i guess i'm having a hard time explaining that but yeah we're seeing seeing more and more how important unity is in this and how we can't be fighting each other i mean we're all gonna have different opinions and i go as far as you know hunting in the woods with a single shot rifle to 
shooting IPSC or three gun. Um, so I think I'm on two different ends of the spectrum, which might help merge people because a lot of the people I talk to are either only sports shooters or only hunters and they don't seem to see eye to eye. There's a little bit of, you know, mixed messages there. So if we can all get on the same page and realize we're not all going to have the same opinion, but we're all moving towards the same goal. We just want to be left alone to do our thing. And has your view, has your view on that, that, well, your, your experience of that phenomenon, that split or your view on how to deal with it, has that changed at all in the past few years, few months? Um, I think I've just seen it getting better, if anything, because now the, I mean, they went after the sporting rifles, you know, with the May 1st ban, and then a few hunting rifles got added, and now we're doing the handgun ban. So everybody's getting pushed into this mess. So I think we're all realizing that we all just have to come together, you know, find common ground, push out a similar message, get on the same page. I, it's getting I hope, better. <laughs> I, I hope you're right. And I want you to be right because I haven't, I haven't experienced that. And I think there are still the classic example that I know is, is people who, even after the liberals said they're coming to confiscate the AR-15s, I'll keep it simple, in the yeah. campaign, the 2019 campaign, they still voted liberal. Yeah. And, and they've been saying for years, hand, they've been indicating for years that handguns are on the chopping block and people still vote liberal. Yeah. And there are handgun owners who want handguns to be prohibited. And, and there's really, I mean, humans, we, I've got contradictory views too, but it's, it makes it, it makes it tough. Talk to me also about the, the gen pre May 1st, 2020, were you, did you talk about stuff? Did you share images on, on social media or were you one of them just to quietly did your thing at the range and compete and hunt and yeah, I mean, I had my personal Instagram. It was private. I had like maybe 50 people, just people that I knew on a very personal level. Um, I would share maybe a picture of me at a an Ipsit competition once in a blue moon, but I really didn't share much. And it's not necessarily because I was trying to hide it. It's just I never thought to share it. I didn't think anyone would really understand or care about the hunting and gun posts. So, you know, I just stuck to sharing pictures of pets and everything like that. <laughs> But yeah, before that, I was extremely quiet. Nobody really knew that I hunted or participated in sports shooting or anything. And it was the May 1st, 2020. That's, that was the line in the sand? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And did you, um, could, what was that like to all of a sudden go public? Um, it was weird because I got a lot of negative reviews at first because I just started a general Facebook page um, or on yeah, Instagram and Facebook page. And of course there's algorithms. So you're going to hit a certain demographic uh, demographic first. And of course we know that a lot of social media is more left-leaning. They don't understand hunting and firearms. So my page would just get spammed with, you know, hate comments and everything like that. So I was kind of wondering, maybe I should get off of this. Maybe this isn't for me, but then, you know, a few more hunting and firearms people found my page and the algorithm shifted. So I was getting more and more people that were like-minded seeing my posts and it became more positive. <laughs> How did you handle that? The quote unquote, the, the haters. Um, at first I would just ignore them because I just thought, you know, these are just spam accounts, whatever they go on everybody's page and just write the same nonsense. Like, Oh, you're, killing animals and you know guns are dangerous and how think about the children and all that nonsense that people the generic anti-gun slogans 
Um, and then I sort of tried replying back, taking the high road in an educational way saying, you know what, this is no different than me going to the store and buying a package of steak. I'm just doing an ethical hunt. We make sure I would explain to them the point of hunting and how most hunters are ethical and try and give them the educational kind view. And they would usually, you know, give me the middle finger and leave, but at least I took the high road and other people could read the comments and say, oh yeah, this is a better way to deal with, you know, the negative comments than just fighting back. I, and I, obviously my opinion of what you did doesn't necessarily matter, but I agree. <laughs> I also tried to, I haven't always succeeded, but I try to take the high road and be respectful. There, there is you, there is a, an important point also that in what you're saying, and that is, I think a lot of the, 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 I'm going to, the FUDs, right? The, the, the hunters who think that they're somehow self-righteous and better because their uh, firearms only take three, three rounds or something. And they think that they're yeah. somehow immune or that they're safe. Well, you just pointed out that no, they're, 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 they're a very easy target. They're, they're killing animals. They're cruel. They're evil. They're evil. People. Why can't they just go to the butcher shop like everybody else? I've seen yeah. that on Twitter. Like it's insane <laughs> or, or in some newspaper. Store. It's, it's a meme. I think it's a meme. Yeah. Just go to the grocery store. Why do you have to kill animals? Why can't, why can't you just go to the grocery store? Like exactly. So they're an easy target. And I think this idea that if you own a traditional hunting firearm or rifle that you're safe, you're, you're nuts. You're not, you're not safe. No. You're next. Once they're done picking on us and once we've all died off, which we're not going to, but in their minds, they think we're all going to die off. Then yeah, they're next on the chopping block. <laughs> and also this idea of if, if the government goes through with this idea of no more than five rounds in a magazine, well, you think your shotgun only holds three rounds. Yeah. Three, three inch rounds. Well, that's 12 mini shells. So you're, you're cooked. Yep, it's, exactly. It's, any of the uh, tube-fed firearms, anything like that. I mean, so so I back to this thing about unity, and I, I, one of my pet peeves, or not pet peeves, but the the opposite. Like one of my desires at the moment is to see, even though we have all these different interests, whether it's pro licensing or against licensing, or pro self defense or against self defense, or or pro hunting or against hunting, whatever pro handgun, anti handgun, whatever it is within the sh within the shooting community, I'm wondering if there's a higher level at which we can agree on some common messages. One hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, we just want to keep our firearms and keep our right to shoot and hunt and harvest our own food. So if we can all just come together and fight that common goal, that's terrific. And if people want to branch out and fight their own, you know, little battles on the side, great. But we don't need to be fighting each other at the same time, because then the government's just kind of looking at us like, oh, look at these, you know, idiots. They're supposed to be fighting us, but they're too busy fighting each other. Which is great. We're doing their work for them. Exactly. And the, also, I'm wondering, I'd love to hear your views on this, that can we, uh, and I like to use the the analogy of um, Coke versus Pepsi or, or Toyota versus GM versus Ford, that on the street level, Toyota and GM or Ford are, are killing each other, right? They all, they all, it's a zero sum game. They're, they want, they want to maximize their market share, but they're all members of uh, the automobile association makers. Yep. And so, yes, at one level, we can be, oh, we disagree with this policy, we disagree with, the, with that policy. But at another level, we do have common interests. One of my desires is, is can we, I'm sure it's been tried, I'm sure I'm not inventing something new here, but can we come, is there any interest in creating something like that and coming back to something, a higher level? I think that's kind of our only hope. So I think we really have to. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, and I think it comes down to a, 
personal, like how you have to adjust your personal views because myself, I don't care what somebody else does. If it's not hurting anyone else, go wild, have your own opinion, do whatever you want to do. But a lot of people are so like, they'll even comment on my stuff. Like you shouldn't be using this type of gun. You should be using that type of gun. And why do you need an AR? I mean, I have had my granddad's 30, 30 for so many years and that's all I need. And like, why do you care? It's not hurting anyone. So, so yeah, it comes down to just don't worry about what other people are doing if it's not hurting you. Well, that's your, again, I'm, that's probably why we're so aligned. Cause I have also, I think of it like a very libertarian freedom minded uh, individual rights type of view. And there are people who disagree with us, who think it should be very tightly. When I, you know, I had a discussion with someone else at TACOM the other day about gun rights and, and that, that person doesn't like focusing on rights because it's a, in Canada, it's a, it's, he'd be in his view, it's a privilege. And yeah. so even within, even some things that you or I might think are basic ground zero, other people within the shoot who are firearm owners and maybe even very strong advocates for firearm ownership would disagree with that. And I, my new view is, yeah, we got to make room for that. Yeah, That's okay. Absolutely. As hard as it is to hear, you know, like, you know, we don't have rights and it's a privilege, I guess. Yeah, that's your opinion. Fine. But if you're fighting the same battle as us, then come on, <laughs> come on board. And when you engage people, besides, not on social media necessarily, but in through your, your in-person work or at the club, or yeah. do you find a different response what's on social media versus in, in live? Like One thousand percent. Okay. Yeah. People are so much more comfortable behind their computer just to type whatever they want to type. They can send the nastiest messages, the most yeah. irrational messages. But when I'm talking to someone face to face, even if they don't like guns, we have such a, a much more civil and educated conversation than you see on Twitter. So I don't really engage a lot in the negativity on Twitter. I mean, some there's the typical pages that you see that everybody knows about that's the anti-gun pages and they're constantly commenting on my stuff but i'm not going to reply because why are we wasting our time having the same conversation over and over again with these same people that are literally just on twitter to spread hate and to post negativity and to post nonsense like that but yeah face to face i've talked to people that are very anti-gun and i explain my views and i explain how my firearms aren't the ones you have to worry about. It's the ones being smuggled in and they're a lot more accepting and understanding. At TACOM, one of the panels you were on was a, was a I didn't see it, but a women's panel. Yeah. Can you talk about what it's like being a woman, a woman doing this? Is there, is there a, is there a woman's angle to all this? I feel like women have, since we're, you know, the fastest growing demographic um, for firearms, it's great to see that. I think that we still have a better chance at getting through to people because there's the whole, you know, firearms owners are just a bunch of, you know, old guys. It's the old boys club, which it's not. Um, so having a woman as a firearms advocate or a hunting advocate just sort of catches people off guard still, even though we are growing very much in the community, we're still not seen as someone that would go out and hunt and shoot. So they kind of take a second look and listen to us a bit more and we can sort of explain things differently, I think. Okay. So Easier it's almost, to get the message across. And what I'm hearing is actually, yeah, there's, there's, you can use the, the women angle. It's, it's helps the tact, it's a tactical tool for the PR. It, it is. Might as well sure. use it. Yeah. And also the, so it's, uh, yeah, I figure if you, if you got it, use it. It's, um, and fastest growing demographic. Yeah. Firearm ownership in Canada is still, 
85-ish percent uh, male in terms of number of people who have a firearm possession and acquisition license, but the growth, the growth is happening in that female demographic. Yeah, like absolutely. Five, I, I measured this, uh, I'm going to say five-ish years ago, yeah, was the, five times faster. The, the number of women getting oh. PALs at the time was five times faster than the number of... Uh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just, so that's the fastest growing demographic for sure. And sports shooting. And, and it was, I think, I don't, I can't, I don't have the evidence for this, but all the anecdotes point to this that it was the the cool stuff the ar-15s and the handguns that was attracting yeah. people into the sport and now that's dead so exactly so we'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a sec tell let's backtrack how did you get into shooting and guns in the first place yeah so i did not grow up around firearms or hunting at all um I grew up farming. My the family that I grew up with, they had a farm. Um, didn't really care or understand about hunting or guns, but I've always been very interested in it. Uh, always just outside, you know, doing whatever I could in the woods, just having a having fun as a kid. Um, I was always really interested in being able to provide for myself, self sufficiency. So that kind of drew me closer to hunting. Um, so after college, I went and got my firearms license and my hunting license and did a little bit of research, talked to some friends that I had that hunted to just get more experience. And I went around, talked to local farmers to see if I can get hunting permission. And it was basically a trial and error. I sat up, went out alone, went deer hunting. That was my first hunt. I got my muzzle loader because um, in my WMU, we can only use muzzle loader and shotgun and bow to hunt deer. So I just <laughs> went out on my own and sort of figured it out. And I mean, it went well if you're safe and you have the basics down pat. Um, and from there, I wanted to get into sports shooting just so I could better my hunting so I can make a more ethical kill um, or more ethical harvest, I should say. Because I think that sports shooting really helps your firearms handling and accuracy in general. And I loved the sports shooting because everyone at the range sort of took me under their wing and encouraged it and helped to teach me and show me how to be a uh, better shooter. So, um, yeah, that passion kind of took off. I'm so. I'm learning so much here. So I think that's that's incredible. So you you are the dream uh, the dream spokesperson because you do have experience <laughs> with basically every type of firearm from muzzle loaders to single shot to uh, to detachable magazine to ha um, handguns. Yeah, it's incredible. You, you've yeah. you've used it all. You've you've used it all. Have you ever hunted with uh, with a handgun or an AR-15? No, I haven't. But that would be really interesting. I would love to go to the states and try. You know. Uh, a wild boar hunt or something like that. So definitely on the bucket list. And it's so interesting for me also hearing this because I have only ever shot at paper or steel. I've, I have, I did get my hunting card, but I've never actually been hunting. And um, yeah. it's, it's a whole other angle of the firearm ownership that I'm just not that familiar with. Yeah, it's a whole other world and it's so exciting. I mean, every time you go to the bush, you're learning something new. So it's really fun. And there's also in your in veterinary school, in my that's on your LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> so I, um, as soon as I finished high school, like I always wanted to be a veterinarian, but the schooling was extremely long. So I was like, okay, I'll be a vet attendant, which is basically just like a veterinary nurse. Uh, so I went through college. I did that for five years. Uh, when I first started my career as a veterinary attendant, I was in a very urban animal clinic. So I was hunting at the time and the girls there were not very accepting of that whatsoever because of course they didn't grow up around it. It was middle of the city. They had, their food came from the grocery store. 
Um, so I was not, I didn't fit in. <laughs> um, so I moved to a more rural clinic. And of course, it was nice to see the, um, there was people there that hunted, but they are still animal lovers. So it can, it shows that hunters don't dislike animals just because we go out and kill them, which we're harvesting food. Um, so it was nice to see that, you know, animal lovers and hunters coming together. And I have a stereotype or excuse me, let me rephrase. I, I, I updated my stereotype I, about hunters that actually I maybe at some point had this belief, oh, you're, you're killing Bambi and that whole thing. And now I think the, the hunters that I've met at least have an incredible respect for the outdoors, for nature, and want to make sure that the, the that there is nature and that there is wildlife. So they're very motivated in terms of nature conservation and habitat restoration. Is that, is that, is your experience as well? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Um, and someone mentioned this and I never really, a little while ago to me, and I never thought about it this way, but if you think how a deer is going to die in the wild, if a hunter doesn't harvest them, and I'm not saying every deer needs to be harvested by a hunter, but you see it on the trail cams, or if you watch the wildlife, if a deer's gonna die naturally, they're gonna suffer, like they, start, they starve, they get sick, they get attacked by coyotes. The coyotes, you know, prey on the weak, so they're not gonna have a very wonderful, quick death. They're gonna have a slow, painful death. So hunters make sure that they harvest quickly and ethically. I mean, I, I've never had to track a deer yet, not saying, you know, if you have to track a deer, you're a bad hunter, no, that happens. But yeah, people spend hours and hours. They'll go all night tracking a deer through the bush to make sure it's not suffering and to make sure that they're not wasting that harvest. So yeah, hunters are definitely very ethical and they care about the habitat that the animals that they're hunting live in. I think they're more aware than non-hunters sometimes. And there's all, what I learned during my um, hunting course is that there's also very strict rules about the a, how you identify the animal and how you, uh, you, you can't, like there's age limits and certain periods and you can't shoot. There's all sorts of animals that you can't shoot and it's highly, highly regulated and a, lotter, a lottery system, depending on the province, there's different systems to make sure that the population is in the, I'm not, I've got the, I'm going to get the language all wrong, but in the right numbers to yeah. ensure sustainability and so forth. Absolutely. And every year we have to, we have a mandatory hunters report that we have to submit where we say how many deer we've seen or how many turkeys we've seen, how many we harvested, what we harvested so that they can keep track and see, you know, where the population's at and see how many tags they can issue the next year or if the population is becoming a concern. Okay. And you, um, you're based in Ontario. Yes. You grew up in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I guess. And I know CS. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, CSAAA is based out of Ontario also, just basically because I'm based out of Ontario, but we're Canada-wide. Right, right. Okay, yeah. but just also in, in your background, like there's, it's, Ontario has a, has a reputation perhaps of being very anti-gun. Well, yeah, politically and policy to some extent, but there's also people like you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah, a lot of people think I'm from Alberta at first. Right. So. <laughs> I also grew up in uh, in uh, in Toronto, downtown Toronto. That's, so that's, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. How about at the club at the club level? Are you a member of a shooting club or one or more? Yeah. So I'm only a member of one club, um, the Cornwall Handgun Club, and they are one of the most active clubs that I know of. Just from speaking to other people, um, they're a big sports shooting club. So we have our Wednesday night IPSC practices and Saturday night the IDP or Saturday night Saturday the IDPA guys um, do their practice and the club is 
growing like crazy and they're very, very good at hosting events and helping each other out. It's just, yeah, an amazing group of people. Then you said the Cornwall Club. Yeah. Okay, so Cornwall Club, share the share the share how you do it. Get other people uh, doing what you're doing if you're growing and succeeding. Oh so yeah. Well. yeah. So spread the word. Cornwall Handgun Club. If you're interested in a club and you want to get into sports shooting, that's the place to go if you can get in. <laughs> but also, I think the I've interviewed. Um, well, there's so much that clubs that are succeeding can they, they we tend to again back to the thing about keeping quiet they keep their secrets quiet there are some clubs who are very public and so here's how we did a range day here's how we did a ladies yes. night here's how we did a community outreach night here's how we in, did a whatever we did they do it they do it well but other clubs don't know or they even if they have the willingness they they don't know when it's too much work and how do we do it and we've never done it before exactly. so there's a lot of information that i think could be shared better you, you sound like you agree yes i do no um and well, thankfully my club used to do the same like it was extremely quiet they didn't want anything posted um and then they realized after everything started getting banned that that's the wrong way to go we have to be more vocal and we have to show people what we do and how amazing our sport and community is and it seems to still be always an older generation that runs the club boards and runs the socials. So of course they didn't grow up with social media, so they don't know how to push out the message to make sure it reaches the maximum amount of people or to make an effective post that will get a lot of um, interactions, which if you're doing social media, unfortunately, as much as I, you know, I'm on social media a lot, but I don't love it because it's, <laughs> there's good and bad. Um, but if you're going to do it, you kind of have to do it right if you want it to be effective so you know post often make these big vibrant posts showing like hey this was our national range day and this was our ladies day and just get people interacting and liking and sharing and showing all of their friends and i'm going to i'm going to, to just to ratify what you just said i can share a personal anecdote i my background is journalism. I spent a lot of years in journalism and financial journalism and thought I could apply that stuff to the gunblog.ca and when I started to look around for the media landscape, there's tons and tons and tons of anti-gun media, the major media uh, advocacy groups who are very good at producing a lot of con content. When I wanted to get our side, there's nothing. No. There's, there's so many opportunities about a club that's had a perfect safety record or installed a new ventilation system at its range or had a, an event, a, whatever, an event for youth or a ladies night or a range day or there's so many positive messages that could be out there that aren't. Yeah, I absolutely. kept looking for stuff to link on the blog and there's nothing. So if you're, if you're a club or in a range and you want to help get some word out, you know, contact me. I don't know if contact Jen, contact me. <laughs> For, for tips, we can point you the right way. We might be able to help you. I'm going to make a statement that is, is a bit pretty black and white. If you keep quiet, you will go extinct. Yep. I agree. Okay. Well, I again, mean, we are, we're seeing that now. We were quiet for so many years and they're trying to make us go extinct. So we're living it. And I think, and I think I'm, that there perhaps was a cultural change in the past few years or decades, perhaps once upon a time, it was, you know, you do it quietly. You don't, you don't advertise this. You, you want to keep it discreet and private. And I believe there's a lot of value in that. There's also, as we're seeing, if, if people don't know about it, it, the other side owns the narrative and owns the debate. And right now we're losing, we're losing fast. Absolutely. The general public doesn't 
care about firearm ownership. They don't know anything about it. So they're just going to, you know, take in the first thing that they read, which is unfortunately always the anti-gun side. It's always, and again, there's there's 10 or 100 times more anti-gun messaging that creates the sentiment that the the opposite of guns are good or responsible gun ownership is good as a benefit is is valuable. It's the most of the media promote the message of the opposite and we're losing. Let's talk about the some ideas to, to I want to also make sure that we're upbeat here the future. What in this context of the, the policy politics media are really I believe hostile against us and if we focus on that that's 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 negative. I don't want to go there. <laughs> what do you see as the future and some alternatives? So I know I see like not I seem I know I'm very upbeat on social media, but I am a realist. Um, so I'm not just saying this to try and you know encourage everyone. I do think that we have an extremely bright future. I think that all of the bans and regulations that have been hitting us hard really woke a lot of people up and made them realize that we need to be more vocal. We need to get more involved. We need to show people the positive side of firearm ownership. We need to have more events to get new people out shooting. Um, so I think we have an extremely bright future. We just have a little bit more of a battle to get through before we come out a lot stronger. I agree, but I want to pressure check this and I can't think of a better person to, to, to pressure check this. I've also seen, uh, Every time there's a new ban or a prohibition or a restriction, people get activated and more engaged and double down with their engagement. And like you, they, they, they either come out of the woodwork or start a blog or something happens. And I think that's fantastic. But I want to pressure check this because I'm going to say that it's happening too fast and certain things that are happening now cannot be undone. Yeah. And I see that as a challenge. And I, I love the engagement that I'm seeing and incredible people. But politically and legislatively, there are certain things that are going one way. Once a gun is turned into molten metal, it you can't shoot We're it again. We're not getting it back. No, you're, so you're help very me right about here. that. Help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try and work some magic. How do I, yeah. how do I get back with that? No, I mean, that's it. We need, unfortunately, as much as it sucks, guns and politics go hand in hand right now. And yeah, we, we need big changes in the government to make big changes in the firearms community. So I really hope we can see those changes before, like you said, it's too late. And it's also important, it's not too late. It's not over till it's over. Yes. And even though the government, uh, the liberals in particular, are pushing certain things, they're failing so far. They have huge legislative, political, uh, logistical obstacles that their intentions may not come to fruition. No, I mean, they don't even know how they're going to proceed with the gun confiscation right now. So, and I'm seeing more and more, and I don't know if you're seeing the same, but the mainstream media seems to sort of be shifting a little bit more to the realities of, hey, look, the government is wasting all of your money on this theatrical nonsense when police chiefs and experts, real experts are saying over and over again that crime is the issue, um, how people are growing up is the issue. We need more youth programs. We need more resources for borders and we need rail cars being checked because smuggling is a huge issue. So I think there's a shift happening. I agree with you. I, I lost track of it, but yes. Sorry. That the, no, no, no. I, lo I lost um, just that I've forgotten about it. So thank you for bringing that back up that, that yeah, from compared to say 
four or five years ago where there was this just this intense, this angry, venomous campaign, anti-gun campaign in a lot of the media that seems to have eased up a bit as people get more critical and as journalists ask more critical questions about the motivation, about the financing, about there was a thing. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to spend billions of dollars melting down your handguns and and your AR-15s and mine and my dad's. And we're going to give a million bucks to this police association. Like it's, it's, and, and that, I think, I wonder if that's waking up certain people in the media to become a little bit more critical of the, uh, the government announcements. I don't know. Absolutely. They're wasting billions of taxpayer dollars on smoke and mirrors when, yeah, they're just throwing pennies at the actual issue. And let's, let's talk here to, about what gun owners can do to, so get engaged, communicate. And we also want to make sure that this is not like there's other, there's a lot of ways to get involved. We're not saying we have the answer or that what we say here is right for you, but these are options. No. These are possibilities to consider. What do you, when people ask you, Hey, what can I do? What, what, can we come up with? Yeah, I mean, it can be as simple as engaging into the positive posts you see on social media. I mean, we get into this echo chamber, it seems, because people aren't sharing the positive. But if you share, the reason I post a lot of stuff is so that other people can share it so they can show their friends and their followers that aren't part of the firearms community the other side of the story and what it's all about. Cause there's some information that I share and people are like, we've known this for years. And it's like, that's, that's fantastic. I'm not sharing it for you. I'm sharing it so you can share it with your friends that don't know this. Um, so just as basic as being more engaged in social media on the more positive side. And if they are comfortable posting, you know, their range days or their hunting adventures on social media, even if they want to do it with their personal friends, just to make them more aware of what we do and volunteer at the range days or help out um, at any of the shooting events because there are a few competitions that are getting canceled because of lack of volunteers. So volunteering, I held um, an event at my home range for National Range Day and I was hoping that more club members, because it was mainly for members of our community that don't know anything about firearms, but I was also hoping that our range members would bring their friends and family. And we didn't see as much of that as I would have hoped. But when we do another event, I'm really going to push like, hey, I know you're a member. I know you know all about this, but take a friend, take a family member that doesn't know about this, bring them to the range. This is your one perfect opportunity. So yeah, just getting more people out hunting, out shooting, teaching them and being a good responsible advocate for you know Canada's healthy firearms community. One of the things that I believe, and I'd love to get your experiences on this, is nothing beats taking someone to the range, helping them on their first shoot or first or second, or getting them and introducing to them to the, the shooting activity and seeing that smile when they hit the target. That's the absolute best piece of advocacy, in my opinion. I'm curious to have your thoughts. 100%. You can tell okay. them all day. You can show them pictures and videos and like, look how cool this is. They're not going to care. Um, but if you take them to the range and get them shooting something, you know, realistic, don't start them off with a, a big rifle, you know, <laughs> to scare them, but start small, make their experience good. Keep a short range session. I actually took my sister to the range for the first time. She'd never been shooting. Um, didn't know anything about it. 
this summer and she loved it. And on our way back home, she was looking for RPAL courses that she could get signed up for. And she wanted to become a part of the range and she wanted to volunteer. So yeah, taking people to the range or out hunting and showing them what it's all about is basically the only way to actually get them involved and actually give them the push to become part of the firearm and hunting community. And I would say even they don't, they might never, like I'm thinking of um, my, my wife, she's not going to be part of the firearm community except by association. But when she went shooting, it was her first time. And, and she, she respects what I do. She doesn't have, she's not going to become a gun advocate, but she now knows, oh, well, that's what it's about. And oh, okay. It's, it's a very highly regulated activity and you can't just go into shoppers drug mart or the pharmacy or the, the, the hardware store walk out no it's a very extremely restricted activity and man is it fun to to hit the target 100 yeah. percent. if you're hitting steel like there's nothing better than hearing that <laughs> but no that's true even if they don't become a gun owner at least they have a change of opinion and actually understand what's happening do you think that, so to me, this sounds very common sense, help take someone to the range, put a smile on their face, make sure they have a smile on their face, right? Make it yeah. e a, a small, easy to shoot gun, a target that's very easy to shoot. Would anybody disagree with that? Or do you, do you see any reasons that might be a con or why that is not common sense to people? No, I okay. honestly can't understand how, if you're doing, I mean, anytime we go to the range or out shooting, safety is the number one priority. So yeah, if you're out, you know, being safe and just showing people. It's like if I take someone out to play baseball, I don't think there's any difference and I don't think there's any con, so. And obviously, you have, you know, disclaimer, footnote, your your particular environment in your workplace or your social setting might not make that, might not make, might make that a bad idea. So use judgment. We're not saying go and do yeah. this universally, but yeah, in general, it's a, for a lot of people, it's, it's the way to proceed. That's actually how I got into it. My dad took me as a kid and started me, it was, you know, started me on a 22. I had a yeah. Cooey, I forget the, the, the Cooey that everybody had back in the seventies. Uh, I forget the model. <laughs> Um, no, I, I can picture like a yeah. little tube fed. Uh, and I'd get in trouble. What uh, do you have? You've shot some muzzle loaders, handgun, all sorts of firearms. Do you have a um, either a favorite type of sh design or a, a type of shooting that you like to do best or that you find yourself doing the most? It really does seem to be 50-50 between the sports shooting, which I use my um, CZ Shadow 2 for just because I really like the steel frame handguns. Um, and then the hunting, which I'll do waterfowl. So I've got my shotgun, but my main interest is deer hunting. So my muzzleloader is always, you know, my main gun for that. Um, so it's, yeah, I can't really pinpoint an actual favorite. In the summer, I'm sport shooting consistently. And then in the winter, I'm hunting. So it's definitely a 50-50 <laughs> between the two. And you pick the tool for the job. It's Exactly, it's yeah. And that's why we need other firearms because... They all do something different. Okay. And how do you uh, seem so happy? In your photos on Twitter, you seem happy. Attack on you were smiling. Now you're smiling. What's in this dark political and policy environment? What keeps you so, um, what keeps you smiling? I, I just always, like with anything in life, I always think there's literally no point in being down about it or upset about it because it's not going to fix anything. So just dwelling on the negativity and getting down and, you know, depressed or upset is not helping anyone. So it may as well just put a smile on your face, look at the positive and fight the negative at the same time. 
words to live by. Some good, li <laughs> good life lessons there. Free, brought to you by Jen Gadwell. <laughs> Uh, Jen, before we close out, is there anything to uh, add or that we didn't get to cover that you want to say? Uh, not that I can think of, to be honest. Oh, you did mention um, how to get more people involved. And this was a question that I did get asked um, at TACOM, which I think was a very good one. A lot of times uh, a spouse or a friend might be hesitant to bring their friend to the range because it's really hard to sometimes coach somebody that you're very close to. So there are always tons of range days and ladies range days and youth range days happening somewhere in Canada. So if you go on social media and look for those, that might be your best bet at getting someone involved. Just sign them up for a range day and let someone else, a professional, show them and show it, them the sport. And that's so important. And, and also, if your social media is not your thing, there are resources. If you want to invite someone and you don't know how or you want to ask your club, ask one of the exactly. shooting associations, email thegunblog.ca, uh, either reach out. I, I'm not going to tell people to email you because that, if, if you want to tell them, you can, but reach out, ask your friends there. You ask for help. There are resources out there, people who will support you willingly and probably for free. Yeah, absolutely. And if people do want to reach out to me, I mean, they can. Um, all right. Beautiful. But, yeah. Always happy to help get everyone involved. It's amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you for what you do online and behind the scenes and promoting the, the shooting activities and the shooting community. And thank you very much for having spoken with me at thegunblog.ca. Thank you for this amazing opportunity.